Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 195. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of the Lend at Fintech conference. So welcome to a special Lend at Fintech edition of the Lend Academy podcast. We are here live at Lended Fintech USA 2019, and I am joined by uh, Jerry Namoran from uh, Lend Street. He is the CEO and co-founder of Lend Street. Welcome to the podcast, Jerry. Thank you for having me. Okay. So let's just get started. Uh, you, you know, we, we've known each other now for many years. You've, you're, you're, you're a bit of a veteran of the fintech, uh, fintech space these days. But why don't you give us a little, little bit of... of masochist. <laughs> well, give us a little bit of background about yourself and sort of how, how the arc of your career has gone. Sure. Well, personally, I'm, I'm originally from Haiti. I grew up in Haiti and moved to the States when I was very uh, young mm-hmm. and uh, studied at the University of Florida, uh, studied finance at the University of Florida, and then st- did my MBA at University of Virginia, the newly minted uh, national champions. And finance is something for me that was always a, you know, subject that I was really passionate about and interested in. And after the credit crisis, I was working at Bank of America Merrill Lynch uh, in their leveraged finance, financial sponsors group. And the idea for Lynch Street, you know, really stemmed from what the things we were doing uh, on Wall Street, helping major businesses restructure their debt and getting them a path to, to being financially viable and, and sustainable. Mm-hmm. And as a very early lender on Prosper, I thought, you know, the idea of creating a debt restructuring platform that not only, you know, allowed the consumer to get a, a pathway to financial health, but also give, give the creditor a way to recover more capital, um, which didn't exist then. Uh, I mean, we, you know, you and I had this conversation before where, you know, we started off with Prosper and Lending Club focusing primarily on debt consolidation. Mm-hmm. But there were really no sophisticated, you know, debt restructuring platform. Um, that was focused on the consumers that when they experience a financial shock, how do you help them rebuild? How do you help them get back on path? And that didn't exist at that time. Right, right. So then, you know, you, you started this company and it was, it was many years ago now and you know, you've stuck at it, which you, yeah. you really, you know, many, many wouldn't, I don't think. But so tell us how, how it's gone because we first met, I think it was like 2013 yeah. at, a, at a meetup here in San Francisco and... Uh, you know, you really, you've, you've stuck at it. So tell us a little bit about those early days and how, how the sure. journey has been. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. Many wouldn't have stuck through it. But for me, this is as personal as it is professional. Right. Right. Uh, I think most entrepreneurs will tell you, you don't do it. You don't take the risk of being an entrepreneur for the sake of really hitting it big. As we know, the odds are against you. Right. Mm-hmm. Nine out of 10 companies will fail. Right. Um, so, but for me, this was a product that I believe really truly needs to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's easy for consumers when they're financially healthy. There's so many products out there that we're trying to give, you know, and, and quite frankly, our industry have helped increase access, right? But we haven't had a, a you know, product that actually think about the holistic health of the, the system, not just the consumer, but how, how, do, how are we impacting the financial system? Are we adding more risk? Are we, you know, are we making it safer? Are we helping reduce the cost of capital across the, you know, broadly? So for me, this was a product that I, you know, I, my family could have used back in the days. And right. so 
deeply believe that it needs to exist and needs no matter what I had to make sure that I gave myself a chance to see it through um, and so starting off it was really difficult imagine telling investors that you want to create a product that helps people in financial distress who are delinquent who are distressed and you're going to give them a loan so they can pay off their debt you know so it's just an oxymoron in, right, in many ways right. and and you know selling innovation is hard Right, selling innovation to people who cannot empathize with the problem is even harder. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our our journey was was much much harder uh, than most. Um, we had to prove a lot more to make sure that you know the the thesis that we had, which is that consumers who are financially distressed, if you're able to right size their debt, get them into a payment plan that makes sense, they will perform. And you know perform like they were prime or near prime at that. And that was always the thesis, that if you can match the capacity with the intent, you can make it happen. And so it took us a bit uh, to get off because that was something that not most people would really you know, identify with. But we were able to show the, the data. It came down to the numbers. Right. So we were able to show the data, uh, prove out that you know, there was a group of clients. If you take the lens of Consumers are inherently good. They want to make payments. Now, there's outliers. Sure. Right? There are outliers. But if you take the notion that people are inherently good and they want to make good on their debt, that when they experience a financial shock, it's a matter of bridging that capacity with the intent that we could create a product that truly, you know, make a significant impact in the lives of those individuals, but also create a product that helps creditors improve their recovery, right? Right, And ideally, by improving the recovery for creditors, you ultimately make the system safer and you make the system less costly. Mm -hmm. And that's been you know, sort of the focus with Lindstreet and that's what we've been, we've been right. striving to do. Right, so the early days, I want to go back on, we, we talked about this yeah. a while ago, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I think, but when you were talking about that early days and you first raised money and you, you loaned that money out and you basically, I remember you said at the time, you said, if I don't, if I'm proven wrong and this doesn't oh, work, then I close up fall. shop and go home. But, you know, so you lent out that first cohort. So tell us, tell us a little bit about that and how they performed. Yeah. So, you know, we raised capital, really friends and family. And just to prove out that, you know, at, at the end of the day, the thesis was that they would repay. If they, if they didn't pay within a structure that was market-based, Right. Not just did they repay, but for me, it had to be market-based um, solution. You know, so for the price, for the risk that, you know, that we were taking, that we were, we were recovering a certain amount of capital and a profit, that would make sense to attract additional capital to scale. Because mm -hmm. I don't think you can do real social impact without, you know, without market-based solutions. Sure. Um, and so the first cohort we did uh, performed incredibly well. Uh, we actually surprised our, ourselves. Uh, we, we had less than 5% default on that first cohort. Mm -hmm. it, at scale, certainly didn't hold up that way, but, but it, it, was a, it was a metric. You know, it was, it was a, a, the thing that we were measuring is if we we're able to lend to those consumers, will they repay? And that was a question we've got consistently you know, through the process. Will they repay? Will they repay their debt? And our belief was that these are consumers, we call them the recovering prime. Right. So these are consumers who've historically been good credit, experience a financial shock, and you know they've proven in the past 
their ability and willingness to pay. It's a matter of, in this moment, they can no longer make those same level of payments. And so if we can restructure that debt and restructure the payment to what they can actually afford, will they repay? And that was the big thesis. That was the, you know, I'd like to believe it's the billion-dollar thesis that I had, but, you know, time <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe one day, right? But that thesis did play out, and it played out where, you know, we had the default rates that we had were controlled enough, were low enough that we could create a product that could be, you know, um, that could be scaled. Right. And could right. attract, you know, capital, you know, given the, the rate of return and so forth. Yeah, so you got, you've got sort of mid-single-digit default rates, but with to a, to, a, to a population that looks at first glance like they're exactly deep right. subprime or, or they're exactly definitely right. subprime, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, so, so then maybe I want to sort of talk a little bit about how your product works, but before we get to that... Maybe you could explain a little bit about the debt settlement industry, and uh, you know, there's certainly it hasn't got a great reputation in some in some areas. Some of it's you know, I think earned that reputation, but obviously there's good and bad players. But tell us a little bit about your approach to the debt settlement space. Yeah, you know, so prior to starting Lend Street, I didn't have a consumer background, nor did I have a debt settlement background. Mm -hmm. So you know. The, the concept for Lend Street was based on a project that I worked on in banking where in 2008, 2009, world was coming to an end and market was crashing. So, and we covered private equity-owned companies. Mm -hmm. So naturally, they are heavily indebted. And so one of the companies we covered came to us and said, hey, you know, we'd like to figure out how, how do we take advantage of this market dislocation? Uh, we believe in, in our ability to be sustainable, to be viable going forward, but we think the market is you know, in a different place and we'd like to take advantage of it. And so the MD that I worked with at the time said, look, why don't you, know, you get capital from the, you know, your private equity sponsor, take that capital, buy back your own debt, and effectively delever the company significantly. I think we delivered it by a, a turn or a turn and a half. Mm -hmm. And so what that did for that company was that it lowered their debt it lowered their interest, you know, servicing. Right. So it created cash flow for that company, made it more viable, more sustainable. And oh, by the way, it created equity, right? Equity value for the for the private equity. So it was a win-win-win, you know, right. idea. And 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 I I watched that and I said, well, if we can do that for major businesses, and as a lender on Prosper at the time, I was lending twenty five dollars at a pop on Prosper. I might be one of the few people who didn't lose money, didn't make any money, but I didn't lose any money. This was 2008. And, you know, I thought, if you look at the loans that were being originated on Prosper, a lot of it was to consumers who were looking for debt consolidation and who were 560, you know, 580 at the time. Right. And I think 80% of the loans were 580 at, mm -hmm. at, at that time. And so I thought, if we could create a product similar to what we just did for this major business, uh, which is a debt restructuring platform that focuses on helping consumers who have these delinquent debt, help them negotiate it with their creditors, give them the loan to pay off that debt. So the creditor at this point is able to recover more capital. The consumer gets a new loan that can help them rebuild their credit. And our investors get a rate of return that is market that makes sense for the, for the risk that they're taking. And so that was sort of the aha moment. This, is, this can be a win-win-win business model. Right. And so started doing research into what, what is out there. Does this exist? Who else is out there doing it? Um, and what, what are the options that are available to consumers when they face these financial difficulties? And so 
during my research, you know, I read about credit counseling, I read about debt settlement, and I read about bankruptcy. And this was 2008. So prior to 2008, debt settlement was able to get paid their fee even when they hadn't delivered the service. Hmm. And so naturally you have an industry that attracts a lot of people who necessarily didn't have the best intentions in terms of serving the customer, right? right? And, and, and so debt settlement had a really, really bad, you, if you look back, you know, 2007, 2006, 2005 research on debt settlement, it had a really, really bad reputation. There are some reputable folks doing it, but, you know, like any other industry, it only takes one to, right. to, to, to spoil it. Right. Uh, and so I thought, you know, debt settlement is, is a needed product. Let's be honest. It, it, you know, consumers face financial difficulties. They need a solution that helps them get back on path. And debt settlement allows them to do that without having to do the, you know, legal bankruptcy process. Right. Unfortunately, though, it, wasn't, it didn't have the, the scrupulous actors that was necessary to make this a significant industry and a significant business. So what does debt settlement you know, do? So tip, the typical debt settlement, in the past, they used to get their fees up front, so they didn't have an incentive to deliver the service. In 2008, the FTC you know, passed a new regulation that they can only get paid when they deliver the service now. Uh, and so the way the model, the debt settlement model works is that consumers will enroll, they'll start making payments into a savings account, so that they can eventually settle their debt. Mm -hmm. uh, on average, it's about twenty-five to $30,000 of you know, unsecured debt uh, across six creditors. And so they're making these monthly payments into these savings accounts so that they can save enough to eventually settle in one at a time. Right. And so I thought, here you have a consumer who's demonstrated a willingness, because they could have easily just walked away from this debt, but demonstrated a willingness to pay and oh, by the way, you also have also demonstrated the capacity to pay because they're making these monthly payments into these savings accounts. And I thought, if we want to solve this debt settlement issue, which is a lack of trust amongst the creditors, a lack of trust for consumers because the service wasn't necessarily being delivered, and certainly a lack of trust amongst regulators, the only way you do that is to create a product that actually is a win-win-win value proposition across the board. Right. And so that gave rise to Land Street. Right. So then maybe just talk, give us through an, talk us through an example of one of your, like a yeah. customer you have, I mean, is it, is it credit card debt they're doing? Is it, per, is it personal loan debt? Or is it a combo? Um, yeah. And then take, so tell us about that and then how the process works with you guys. Yeah, so it's typically a combination. Our average consumer will come in with about $30,000 of debt, twenty five to 30000 It's across multiple credit cards and some, you know, some uh, unsecured installment. Mm -hmm. And the way the process will work is we partner, we partner with settlement companies. Right. Uh, the customer would have been in their program. They've already made you know, several payments. They'll reach out to the uh, customer and say, hey, you've been in our program. Rather than be, you know, make these monthly payments over 48 months and still getting collection calls and potentially lawsuit threats, because you've demonstrated the ability and willingness to pay, we can potentially get you a loan to pay off your debt, to, to negotiate and to do all of them at once. And so they, you know, the customer then says, sure, you mean I can you know, go from being in this program for 48 months, getting collection calls, lawsuit threats, and so forth, to now you know, getting a consolidation loan that you know, uh, is less than what I originally owed, mm -hmm. 
but at an interest rate, our interest rates are 14.95 to 18.95, at an interest rate that is not reflect, you know, I think it's reflective of who they are, but it's not reflective of the credit score because, right. you know, it's less than the credit, <laughs> it, it, right? Yeah, if, yeah. They're, at they're, 566 they're FICO, yeah. they're in the subprime yeah. range, so they would expect 22 to 30 percent interest rate. Right, so we're we're pricing them where we believe they are as a, as an individual, not where they are as a credit score person. Right. right. So that's the the loan product. So the consumer submits an application, we underwrite them, we approve them. The settlement companies go out and do the negotiation. We fund the settlement, and the customer now has a, one loan. All of their accounts are settled. Uh, all of the you know nego- the delinquent ones are settled, and we pay it off. And they make, they're making one payment to us, and it, we report to the bureaus, so it helps them rebuild their credit and so forth. So when they come to you, has the debt been already negotiated? Delinquent. No, been, no. Been negotiated. it's delinquent at the time. It's delinquent. It's not negotiated yet, so we have to do an estimation of what that you know, settlement will be. Uh, and we're providing them a loan, a line of credit that allows them to go out and do the negotiation and draw on it and, and fund right. it. Right, Okay. So then, so one of the knocks that you hear in the industry is that, you know, some of the, the platforms, the lending clubs and Prospers and Nalets or whatever, yeah. they don't want their debt to be settled. They want their debt to be paid in full. They don't want it to be settled down. So how, how do you, what are your conversations like when you talk to those, yeah. you know, organizations like that? How, how does that go? And what do, you, what do you tell them? I'm no different. I want my debt to be paid down, <laughs> right? You know, so because, because we're, we're lending, right? right? So for me... You know, we're taking risk in lending to this consumer. So similarly, we're, we're, we make sure we're looking for consumers that truly had a hardship. And, and what I think the industry, you know, we've had these conversations amongst you know, folks in the industry is, I'm not here to help anyone defraud the creditors. Right. You know, I don't believe that's the right solution. I believe, you know, if the, you know in, in our average... DTI, right? When you look at our customers, talk about customers who have 75% DTI, right? These are consumers, yeah, they can't live on that. Right. There's no question about it. They can't, you know, it's not sustainable, right? And so, you know, the way, obviously, whenever you lend, you're going to have delinquencies, you're going to have defaults. And unfortunately, what we've seen in the past, and I'm not saying that didn't, you know, they don't have good reasons to be mad about you know the the settlement companies and, and things like that but i think there's a belief that you know debt settlement companies were particularly targeting their customers i don't know if that's the case i think what happened is customers who are going into consolidation loans were really trying to outrun a situation right right and the problem is that Trying to outrun a situation did not necessarily resolve that situation. No, it just delays it. It just delays it. Right. And so, and that's what you're seeing is that these consumers, you know, with 50, 60, 75 DTI, you know, they get a, they get a loan. Either they pay off that original credit card or they don't, right? But even if they pay it off, they now have access to this credit card where they go back and swipe. Right. And unfortunately for majority, I mean, our customers are, you know, middle income, right? So these aren't high earners uh, or anything of that nature. And so I, I, I do agree with the industry that there has to be a come, you know, come upon you know, agreement you know, that says these are the parameters. If the consumer looks like this then they're, you know, and they come to you, 
let's figure out a way to work to make sure that this customer gets back on path. Right. Right. And and vice versa. I think for settlement companies, it's if this customer looks like this, we're not going to service them because you know they have the means, they have the ability to pay. Right. You know, they don't need our service, right? And I think that's that's where the industry, both industries, need to acknowledge the need, you know, for for each other and and and, and the need to balance, right, the service that each you know each one of them provide, such that it's it's a it's a healthy and viable ecosystem. Right, right. Now that makes sense. So, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about what happens when the you know the, the, your customers come into your program and. You know, they, I presume, like they continue to make payments on the on the loan. What happens to their credit score? Yeah. So what we're seeing now is that consumers who've been in our program typically the credit score has improved by eighty points within twelve months, and over a hundred points within eighteen months. And that's largely, you know, my belief is that that's largely due to the fact that we're able to clean up their credit, right? So first and foremost, they no longer have the delinquencies showing up in their credit report. Secondly, they have a lower amount of debt. We've been able to restructure their debt such that their DTI is now, you know, below the 70s. It's now closer to a 45, 50%. Right. Right. And so you're, you're, you know, we've made them better customers, better credit profile, mm-hmm. and that's what's allowed them to become, and, and they're making monthly payments, and those payments are being reported back to the bureaus, which we know is a key component of credit scores. So, you know, I think that's why we see the, 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 the benefit, and, and, and one, one anecdotal thing, too, is what we're seeing is these are consumers, again, on average 50-plus years old, and so they, you know, a good chunk of them have homes. And so they'll go out and, and refi their homes, take capital, pay off their the, the, the our loan, and you know. And for us, that's an exciting moment because sure. we're able to take this customer who was who was in a point of financial distress, help them rebuild their credit, and now they're you know they're making savvy, you know, financial decisions to improve their financial health long term. So then, so. You, you mentioned your pricing. It's like you said, like fourteen point nine five to eighteen point nine five. So, how do you decide who gets what price? Is there is there a risk based pricing component to this or not? There, there isn't. We uh, we're flat fee. Um, right. We're state by state. So some of that is driven by state uh, regulation. So you know we have to be mindful of APR caps in certain states, origination caps in certain states, and so forth. Okay. So then you. So basically, you're someone comes into your program, it's a binary decision. They, you, they either get the loan exactly or they don't. Right. That's exactly okay. right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, so then what is your revenue model then? Are you, are you taking an origination fee? Are you taking you know, yeah. a, a fee on the back end? How do, you, how do you get paid? Yeah, it's a combination. You know, we, we, get a, we get a portion of the debt settlement fee for helping accelerate their revenue. Okay. Right? Because normally they would have, you know, they would have monetized that customer over 36, 48, 60 months. Right. Right. And we're helping accelerate that to six to nine months. So in, in some ways, if you think about it, it's, it's almost factoring their, their fees. Right. And we're right. taking the, the, the dropout delinquency, you know, default rate, you know, default, default risk. Well, you're taking on the risk. Yeah, we're yeah. taking the default yeah, risk. So, yeah. you know, they give us a portion of their fee as a result of providing that service. We get an origination fee for the consumer and, 
you know, on, on loans that are on our balance sheet, we get a you know, sliver of the interest spread. Uh, and those that we sell, we just we get a sliver of, you know, servicing fee. Right, right. Okay. Okay, then. So can you give us, give us a sense of the, of the scale you're at today? Is there, yeah. like, what sort of, how many loans are you doing? Well, first, I think we're, we're, this is an industry where, you know, you're talking about there's 71 million consumers. Right. And 600... $80 billion of distressed debt in the U.S. So what we've done is not even remotely close to scale. I wouldn't even call it scale. Right? I don't right. even think about, like, we, we haven't done, we haven't even had a, a pin drop in, 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 what this, <laughs> in this problem, right? Yeah. Um, because when we think about it, right, the thing that I'm most proud of right, is, is our entry into the space have created multiple new companies that are doing similar things to us. Mm-hmm. And so while, you know, unfortunately, we have more competitors than we would like, <laughs> but that's business. Whenever there's a good product, good service, you know, a need for it, there's going to be competitors. But we're, we're excited about the fact that what we've seen is settlement uh, entities have grown. Right? The debt settlement space itself has grown right. significantly. We're starting to see delinquencies rise in the credit card space. So we know that means there's going to be a significant amount of of, of defaults and, and, and delinquencies. So we've been building ourselves for scale, right. for true scale. I, I think what we've done today has been great and we've made an impact, but we haven't, we're not even close to what I would call real scale yet. Right, right. So I know you, um, you raised a, a Series A last year and, and also significant debt capital from really some of the marquee names in, in the financial health space. So tell us, Tell us a little bit about uh, who's backing you, sure. and you know, and about that process. Yeah, you know, our mission is uh, to deliver financial health, and um, and you know, our vision is is to create a just financial system. So we want to be the catalyst. We want to be the, the the you know the way I think about it is we want to be the the lab that creates the solutions that help consumers get access to products where they it was previously inaccessible. We want to create, you know, uh, solutions that help consumers improve their financial health, get them back on path. Uh, we want to be, the, in a way, the think tank, right, where right. we can come up with the better solutions. Where there's non-transparency, we want to improve transparency. When, where there's predatory pricing, we want to, you know, eliminate the predatory pricing or not eliminate, but at least create a better product that gives a consumer a different choice. Right. Um, and so as a result, we've been able to, you know, attract some of the, you know, more mission aligned, but also, you know, mindful of the, the need for a market-based solution to attack these problems. Mm-hmm. So we have Prudential as one of our investors. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, you know, the Ken, you know, Radical Impact, uh, Candide, which is a combination of uh, some of the, the Prisker family uh, funding. We've got uh, CFSI, right. uh, which is a big backer of ours. And we're part of the JP Morgan Chase, CFSI Fan Lab. Yep. And so, you know, so yeah, so we've been fortunate enough that, you know, people who are, are recognizing that what we're doing is adding significant value, uh, not only for the consumers, but also creating real value economically that, you know, this is a viable business and, you know, that deserves to be funded and given a path to, you know, to scale. Right, right. So we're almost out, we're almost out of time, but maybe just a couple more questions before you go. Sure. So... Are you open to outside investors, or are you just using your, your, your funding line that you've got? Or? Yeah, we're, we're using what we have, but 
we're in the business of renting money, <laughs> right? Unfortunately, you're always raising when you're in our business. So you're always talking to more folks. Right. Uh, you're always creating a pipeline. You're always making sure you know what's out there, what the pricing is, and, and you know, what are the opportunities going forward. I mean, it's my, it's, it, would be, it wouldn't be prudent of me to not have those conversations and always be talking to various investors because as we scale, right, we need more access to more capital because that, that is effectively our product. Right, right. Okay, so then give us a, a sort of a, a look down the road. Where, where are you hoping to go, like, you know, 12 months, you know, 24 months down the road? What, what, are, you, what are you hoping the future holds for Lend Street? Whew. Yeah, 12 months, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we do several things. One is that we finally get the, you know, the lenders to be recognize the need for such a product and, and the, the ability for that for our product to provide you know a quicker recovery a much better recovery than, than the you know than the typical process which is charge off the debt package it together and sell it off mm-hmm. so ideally we get a few major creditors to, to be partners such that we can help restructure the you know the, the consumers who are currently in, in a delinquency mode so that's one piece. On the consumer side, you know, while we created a product that's incredibly consumer friendly, we haven't done nearly enough to create the engagement that we want mm-hmm. and to create the impact that we want, which is ultimately being able to take the consumer from a point of financial distress and giving them a path to being financially secure and not ever be needing our, our solution. So we need to do a whole lot more work in that you know, area where, you know, to create better engagement, better tools, better solutions for the consumer. And then lastly, I think, you know, what we've been doing for the last few years have been building for scale. And, and so now to actually go out and scale this business in the way that we know we can and, you know, knowing the needs that, that's, that's out there. Right. right. Okay, well, on that note, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much, Jerry. It was great to have you on the show. Likewise. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Are you open for questions? Uh, sure. We can answer, ask anybody questions. would like anyone to ask, ask questions? questions? No. Just raise your hand, please. Jerry, congrats on building a fantastic business. Uh, you're clearly doing good for consumers, uh, so congratulations. But you know, you're in the industry, obviously, that's kind of had somewhat of a sullied reputation. You're one of the sort of shining stars there. Talk to us a little bit about sort of your strategy or techniques or ways that you envision down the road helping giving buoyancy to the industry and maybe engaging the regulators to, you know, bring to light some of the positives that you're doing to, so people can see exactly the model that you have is really designed to help consumers and, and, you know, do some good in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So the question is, you know, obviously we've built something that's been impactful, but how do you both engage regulators to make sure that they understand what you've built and how it's impacting the consumers, as well as, you know, building a broader, you know, brand amongst consumers or, or, you know, people in the industry to understand our business, understand what we're doing. You know, I think it comes down to one thing, and, and, and first and foremost, just creating a product that actually delivers a service at a price point that makes sense. Uh, and, and that's been our focus, is first and foremost, our product has to be good. And, and, and we've done that, and it's consumer friendly, it's consumer, and, and at the heart of what we've done and everything we're doing is the consumer, and that's all we think about, is how does this impact the consumer? How does it impact their cash flow? How does it make sure that they're you know, actually getting better? And so I think because that's been part of our DNA from day one, 
it's allowed us to have many conversations with the CFPB. It's allowed us to have conversations amongst the regulators. And we're open book, right? Because we're, you know, we're, we're very much aligned with their vision of a better you know, financial system that service the broader population. And so we've been able to have those conversations and continue to have those conversations. And so, you know, but really to, 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 to your point, you know, we have to do a better job as an organization to start uh, tooting our own horn <laughs> a little bit. Uh, we don't do that as well. And, and really to get our story out there and, and, and let people know what we're doing and, and how we're doing it and the impact we're having on consumers. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Pete. Thank you. Let's see ya.